Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In the marshlands of central Florida. It's the Riley and Kimmy show. A heavy, ominous stillness falls over the swamp. Hello, nurses. This is Wacko from Animaniacs. And you're listening to the Riley and Kimmy show. You know why? Because you're smart. See you later. The Riley and Kimmy and welcome to this episode i am your host patrick riley right next to me is a person who keeps me out of trouble almost all the time Gentlemen, i got one name get it hello everybody hello everybody hi hi welcome to the riley and kimmy show this episode being brought to you by the orlando toy and comic-con happening at the end of january that's right at oh, let me take a look here we're flipping over the calendar to january Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to everyone listening to the Riley and Kimmy Show and the Orlando Toy and Comic Con, which we're talking about, happens on Sunday, January 31st, just days away. A lot of nerdum happening right in Central Florida. You will want to check out the Orlando Toy and Comic Con. Now, Kimmy has a little bit of information. Sure, it's in a new location. It's at the Holiday Inn on South Kirkman Road, right across from Universal Studios. And they're going to have some great guests, including Tony S. Daniel, John Lehman, Billy Tushy, and more. <laughs> One of those mores, Kimmy, just happens to be Darwin Cook. And if you uh, are familiar with New Frontiers, you will want to meet Darwin Cook. Darwin's done so many things. I mean, he's he literally is one of my favorite artists of all time. I've had the pleasure of meeting him one other time, just briefly, and one of the nicest human beings you ever have a chance to meet. And uh, he his new frontiers to me is so important. By the way, I, I even though it's not getting credited in the movie uh, Batman versus Superman, I think there are some elements from New Frontiers that they have borrowed, but they're not giving much credit to, if any, uh, because it, it is the creation of the Justice League and has Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman all together, especially in a fight where Wonder Woman intervenes. So I think there's a little bit of uh, borrowing from that, hmm. if you will. And so if you've not checked out New Frontiers, please go to your local comic book shop and get New Frontiers. And if you need to know where one is, go to a link on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. We have the comic book shop locator. Orlando Toy and Comic Con happening end of January. Tickets on sale now. We have a link to the Orlando Toy and Comic-Con right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com, one of the places you can pick up tickets. Matter of fact, two of them. Uh, one of them happens to be Mike's Comics and Collectibles on Orange Blossom Trail in Orlando, and the other one is Epic's Comics in Orlando. Both locations have tickets. More information about ticket locations and uh, guests and vendors and things like that all on our website at Orlando Toy and Comic-Con. Now, Kimmy just happened to mention one of the individuals who will be at the Orlando Toy and Comic-Con, and that is John Lehman. Now, John, his partner, is going to be at another convention in Orlando, Kimmy. Oh? Oh, yes. He's going to be at ConjureCon, Conjure Comic-Con, happening March 5th through 6th, 2016, in Orlando, Florida. We have information about ConjureCon right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. 
And what we're going to do right now is have a special guest, Kimmy. We have a special guest on the Riley and Kimmy show. Ooh. Yes, we do. We have a special guest here on the Riley and Kimmy show who I'm just going to go through a quick a quick list of his uh, accomplishments, if you will. Multiple Eisner Award winning individual. Mm. Oh, yes. Also, Harvey Award winning. Also, New York Times best-selling uh, artist. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he's got quite a few of them. I think that covers all of it. What well, better? Also, add co-creator of Chew. Gives us great pleasure to bring on the Riley and Kimmy show, Rob Gilry. Rob, did I cover all of the the things that need to be mentioned? Oh yeah, yeah, you you, you covered it enough. Okay. I, I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to say, uh, you know, you've been drawing, drawing or illustrating for 400 years, and let's uh, talk about way back when. Uh, I, I'm not. You, you do have a long track record. Uh, I mean, a deep uh, list of work that you have done, even before Chew, that some people may not be aware of, right? Uh, I've done, a, yeah, I did a good amount of indie work. Um, none of which, you know, most people will be able to find because they were so obscure and random. Uh, but yeah, I, I did a pretty decent amount of stuff even before Chew. And and let's and you do stuff be, besides Chew. I mean, like uh, your cover artist penciler. I mean, I, I if I if I sent somebody to a comic book store, I could say, you know, you could find him and his work, uh, like Rocket Raccoon, as an example, or uh, Thor. Correct. Right, right. Yeah, I've done a lot of uh, cover work and little things here and there for the last like eight years. But I mean, Chew is Chew is the full time gig. It's uh you know we're we're fifty five issues in and. That's a it's a lot of comics. Yeah, and I, that's what I was going to ask. You know, I'm going to ask you about because I know. Uh, let's see if memory serves me right. Number fifty three uh, has been out about a week, I think, uh, in mm-hmm. comic book stores. And the cover, okay, the cover, uh, you have a like a Fred and Barney kind of thing going there, a tribute to uh, uh, to the Flintstones, if you, if you will. Correct. I mean, that'd be the best way to put it. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, we do a lot of. Um, you know, Chew is Chew is our you know my creator owned uh, comic with John Layman, and uh, you know we we love doing homage covers. We love kind of just uh, you know running wild and kind of tributing, you know whatever you know we really love. So yeah, the, the Flintstones thing was a uh, was a was a lot of fun. Well, I, I'm curious because I like when I looked at uh, the previous uh, issue that was released like the week before. And, and I've looked over, you know, other true material. I mean, you kind of bounce around in it like a style. I mean, you know, I can I can look at, and I don't want to insult him, I can look like at a Bruce Tim. I can say, okay, that's Bruce Tim art. But this, I'm seeing mm-hmm. a various, uh, you, what influenced you is what I'm wondering. I mean, like when I look at the Flintstones, were you, were you a little kid and saw the Hanna-Barbera stuff or the Filmation cartoons and you said, you know, and started copying that? And, and, and I don't, yeah, and that influenced you in the world of, uh, you know, illustration, comic books uh, and, and that? Or was there other outside influences? Well, I had a lot of, <clears throat> I had a very, very diverse um, selection of, of, of influences. And yeah, I definitely was a guy who, who watched the Flintstones and watched the Jetsons and also watched like all the Looney Tunes stuff. Also the, uh, like Tom and Jerry. And it, I was all over the map. And on top of that, you know, I grew up with superhero comics and a lot of other different comics. I mean, anime, manga, um, I mean, I was all over the place. And and then as soon as I got older, you know, I discovered more urbanized, like graffiti and uh, artists who are, you know, more contemporary guys like uh, Jim Mafood or Dave Croslin. Um, so like all of that kind of came together to, to this one style. But within that style, I kind of have the freedom to, to do various uh, 
kind of different different things. So like my my background is in painting. My degree is actually in painting. Um, so I, I I I'll have some times where like you know I'll do your standard like black and white, uh, you know pencil inked and colored comic. But then sometimes I'll mix it up and bring in more like you know painterly or uh, ink wash elements. Uh, or in the case of the the Flintstones cover, you know that was way more. My my art's fairly cartoony to begin with, but in that case, you know there was no need for intense detail. So like I I wanted to kind of like. Uh, you know, pay tribute to that style, to that Hanna Barbera style. So yeah, that 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 definitely came across in that cover. Oh yeah. Uh, speaking of painting, I'm kind of curious here. Uh, which uh, do you prefer? Are you an oil, uh, an acrylic, watercolor? I mean, uh, or is it just whatever at the moment you say this piece has to be that? Yeah, it's totally whatever's in the moment. I mean, I'm a pretty I'm a pretty functional artist. Like I was thinking in terms of. Uh, you know what? What look do I want to make? What 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 visual do I want to get across? And how? What what best gets that across? Um, I, I'm not. I, I'm not. You know, I, my background is in painting, and I do have a degree in it, so I am somewhat classically trained. But at the same time, a lot of my, uh, you know, a lot of it is just fe- feeling it out in the moment um, mm. and and figuring it out. I'm more probably self-trained than a. Uh, than classically trained, if that makes any sense. Well, I was wondering, you know, when we when you were young, and I always I hope people will encourage kids to draw and 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 not stop them, you know, and keep that encouragement going on, whether it's on a tablet or it's traditional, you know, paper and pen and pencil, whatever, crayon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When when you were younger, did you find because you I have a very good friend, he he's one of these that you know has art skills I'd kill for, but he just never, you know. He wants to, but he just he just won't pursue it, you know, beyond a point because he had a, a lot of people, I think, beating on him, saying, "Oh, you don't want to do mm-hmm. that. You don't want to do cartoons. You don't you don't want to. Why, why are you drawing that comic book stuff? Did you find that when you were younger? You know that, I mean, you you obviously had the art skills people were seeing, but mm-hmm. did they did they try to steer you away from the comic books, the cartoons, and things like that? Well, I I didn't really. I mean, I I've been drawing since. I mean, I had flashes of drawing at a very young age. I mean, I, my mom has stuff saved. That I, that I she says I drew when I was two or three, um, and from there, uh, you know, I didn't consider myself an artist. I just kind of drew here and there in the margins of books or whatever. And at some point in the fourth grade, you know, I discovered, you know, I, I was raised with comics. So I, ha- I had two uh, two uncles who were really really into comics, so I was exposed to them fairly early. But I, I didn't identify myself like, you know, as a comic book fan or anything like that until about the fourth grade when I ran across. Um, some some friends of mine that actually were in the comics um and at that point you know i think some of it was to um because i thought that they would enjoy it but i think some of it was just really like innate like i started making my own comics um just like going home and kind of coming up with my own characters and making my own comics and just you know on like construction paper or whatever and bringing in school and letting them check them out and you know and they enjoyed it and I enjoyed it. And then I never showed them to anyone. Oh, so like they're really, but I never really got, you know, because of that, I never really had anyone tell me like, well, you know, that's not really a job. You shouldn't do that. Cause you know, I, I, no one, I don't think anyone knew I was making them. Wow. Um, yeah. So I just kept it kind of to myself. It was a thing for me. I mean, during the summers I'd stay home, uh, and just basically, you know, camp out in front of the TV, watch cartoons and, I would draw dozens of these comics just purely for myself because I, I, I guess I enjoyed them, obviously. Wow. Um, so then at some point, you know, I just I, I got older and, uh, you know, I, I had to figure out how 
I knew I wanted to make art for a living. I just never thought comics would be a, uh, an actual avenue for that because I didn't, you know, I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana, which it doesn't, it has a bit of a comic scene now, but back then in the, the 80s and the 90s, there wasn't really a comic scene here. We didn't have comic conventions, conventions or anything like that. Um, so I didn't know, uh, you know, how do you how do you make a living doing comics? Right. Uh, I didn't I didn't I just never thought about it until college. So, so you weren't the, the kind of guy, the, the you know, when I'm say, uh, let's say teenager running around with a portfolio at a con going, hey, can you look at my art and tell me, you know, should I do this or, or what? Can I, you weren't exposed to that kind of world. No, I, I didn't get exposed to that until uh, my first or second year of college. So like 2001 or 2002, there was a show that, uh, you know, I, I, I something just kind of snapped in me and I just decided that, you know, I was in I was at the University of Louisiana uh, in Lafayette. And, I, you know, I was going for art. I was going for like computer animation at the time. And I knew that I didn't want to do computer animation, but it was the closest thing uh, to a creative um, career, uh, a creative career in like entertainment or whatever. That was the closest thing I had. Um, but at some point I kind of decided, you know, I started discovering more independent comics. Like I, I, discover, I discovered like Kevin Smith's uh, clerk stuff and um, a few things like that. And that changed everything. Cause then I realized, well, you know, I suck at drawing. Uh, I, I was always, you know, copying like the Marvel style, Marvel DC stuff. Gotcha. Um, just because that's what I grew up with and I sucked at it. I mean, I was never any good at it. Um, and I, I, I just figured when I discovered the clerk stuff like Jim McFu, again, the more indie guys, I realized that there was an entirely different, uh, different world of, of, of comic uh, visual arts that I didn't even know about um, that. I, you know, that was way more in line with like, you know, the, uh, the simplistic, like cartoony stuff from like the Looney Tunes or the, the, the Flintstones or that stuff that I grew up with. It was, it was like that. Um, and I, I, I figured, well, you know, I'm, I'm not any good at drawing, you know, these super buff guys with, uh, you know, abs who show through the, the spandex or whatever. But I'm, I, I'm pretty good at drawing these, like, cartoony guys. Um, so I started doing that, and then that's when I started going to conventions and uh, kind of, you know, doing the portfolio thing and, uh, again, doing all kind of stuff just for myself uh, and then showing them at conventions and kind of building a network and really getting serious about it then, you know. Now, is that how you met John Lehman? Is, is that how this Chew thing all came to be? I mean, how did this, this madness start? Well, I mean, like I said, I started going to conventions in 2001 or 2002. I didn't actually meet Lehman until 2008. Um, so that's a good seven years of just me kind of uh, going to conventions and building up my style and everything. But wow. what's interesting is that I, one of the first comics, again, like I, like I said, when I discovered the indie stuff, uh, in college, one of the books that I discovered was a book called Puffed, um, who was actually written by John Lehman. Um, and uh, his artist on that, I was attracted to it initially because of the art. Who, who uh, It was drawn by a guy named Dave Crosland, who's phenomenal. I actually discovered him through uh, Gemma Food, who's another uh, more indie, like graffiti-esque uh, artist. So from there, I discovered John and actually kind of became a fan of John's. Um, so like over the years I would follow John's work on all these different books. Like he did like puffed, he did Scarface, he did a bunch of different things. I, I enjoyed all of them. Uh, so in 2008, uh, you know, comics is a network, it's a job, uh, and just like any other job, you know, 
everyone kind of knows everyone. Um, like, you know, when, when, a, when, a, you know, if you're working in, uh, in a copy shop and let's say a job comes up and you need to find someone, usually the manager will ask you, Hey, do you know anybody? Mm-hmm. And then you think, you think, well, you know, I know, I know Bob, Bob's good. Like he's smart enough and he's, he's, uh, he's reliable enough for this job. So I'm going to bring in Bob. That was kind of how this was with hooking up with John was, uh, I had, I had done some work for Tokyo pop. Uh, with a guy with a writer named Brandon Jerwa, uh, who Brandon Jerwa just happened to be good friends with John Lehman. Um, so whenever John uh, was looking for an artist for Chew, uh, you know Brandon was a good buddy of his, so he ended up going to Brandon and just asking him, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm looking for someone for this. Um, do you know anyone right offhand?" And then Brandon said, "Well, actually, like you know, I've worked with this guy Rob, who um, you know was really reliable and did some solid work, so maybe he's your guy." And uh, John actually didn't think I was the right guy for it at all, um, <laughs> which wow. is funny in hindsight. He didn't think I was the right guy for it at all um, because of the work that he had seen me do for Tokyo Pop, which Tokyo Pop was more uh, anime and manga, which, okay. again, I'm, I'm, you know, I have some influence in there, but I'm not, you know, a standard like anime or manga artist. Um, so, yeah, he didn't think I was right for it at all. But when we actually hooked up. Uh, he saw a lot of my other work. He was exposed to like stuff on my site and everything, which was just me screwing around. And I'm pretty versatile. So yeah, we just we just hit it off pretty quick. That is so cool. Now, not to, I don't want to get any secrets revealed. I mean, revealed here. So if I go into a world that I shouldn't be, just just tell me. But I'm kind of curious how how does the work go here between the two of you? I mean, uh, does he give you a loose script or does he do the old Hollywood style, you know, detailed uh, thing or does he just let you go? I mean, uh, does he say this is kind of where I'm going and or does he dictate a lot of it? Um, he has a really, really happy medium. I mean, I've worked with really, really hyper detailed scripts, which are just crippling. I mean, it's just so when when, when the art, when the, when the writer is so detailed that they're telling you, you know, you know, the color of the wristwatch on the character that, you know, whatever. It just becomes like ridiculous. It, it, it's, it becomes really, really crippling to an artist. Um, but on the other hand, I've worked at really, really loose scripts that are not even really scripts that are just kind of, they're just kind of like sentences written on a, co- a cocktail napkin. Wow. Um, and, and that's a pain too, because that just puts a lot of weight on the artist. Um, John is somewhere in the, in the middle where his scripts are really, really dense. Um, and they, they offer up a lot of insight into like what he's going for. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he, you know, he, he, I mean, he writes his scripts very conversationally. So they're, they're written like a letter, like directly to me. And he'll say, you know, this is how I picture this page. Um, but if you have a better idea, go with it. Um, Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, he does trust me, uh, to get what he's, what he's going for. Um, but he's all, you know, he, he realizes that, you know, I have my own thing that I bring to this and it's never going to look exactly like it, it is in his head for the most part. Um, but he he's been okay with it too. Do so you, it's it's a good it's a good happy medium. So do you exchange like as the as the book is forming? Do you send like samples to him or uh, that, or does he just let it go and and wait till you're completed? Or are you you know are you molding it as you're drawing it or illustrating it, uh, and and shotgun back to him you know something on an email or or share drive? Do you say hey you know this is what I got today or do we need to change anything or does it just wait till the very final page? Well, in the very beginning, it was way more, there was way more, um, you know, me sending him preliminary stuff and saying, you know, is this okay? And that kind of thing. 
but I mean, you know, we've been working together since 2008 and we've done, you know, 50 something issues together. Um, so, I mean, we've developed a shorthand to where, you know, nowadays I, I don't show him anything until I start sending him inks for the most part. Wow. Um, usually it takes me like when I start an issue, uh, it takes me about seven days to pencil, to pencil the whole like 20 page issue. Um, and you know, he gets impatient. So usually I'll send, you know, really crappy iPhone pictures <laughs> of, of, of the pencils. I'll just take pictures in my studio and say, Hey, you know, here's this. And, you know, that'll get him through another week of me, like starting to ink. Um, and then I'll ink it usually about two pages a day. And then I'll, I'll scan them, send them away to him. And then he'll start, uh, he'll start lettering them right there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then from there, it takes me about nine, between nine and 10 days to pen, to uh, ink an entire issue. And from there, uh, it takes me about six days, five or six days to color the thing. Um, so yeah, there's a constant back and forth, but for the most part, he doesn't see, he doesn't see anything until the inks come. Um, and I, I don't, we don't, re, it's pretty rare when there's actually like, well, we're not, well, okay. <laughs> like I said, he's really, really open to like what I have to offer. So I know he doesn't like, I, I think that, you know, sometimes, you know, in any kind of partnership, there's always compromise. Um, so I know that there's sometimes where I send him things where he absolutely loves it and I nail it and I do it way better than he pictured it. But I know there are other times where like I send him things and I know like, you know, it's not his favorite thing in the world, but it's, you know, it still gets it across, but it's not his favorite. Oh, wow. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty rare that it's actually so bad that I'm so way off that I actually have to like redraw everything. That's only happened maybe twice in, in 50 something issues. Whoa. Um, so yeah, we're 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 pretty we're pretty much on the same page. Cool. Now, are you are you already working so far ahead in 2016? I mean, or, or have you outlined between the two of you, uh, or even maybe started pre-sketching uh, the end of Chew? I mean, I know that's a little bit far off. It's but it's less than a year. But uh, mm. are you already dealing with that part? Not yet. I mean, we. I mean, well, the thing is, story-wise, um, you know, he knew the beginning from the end. I mean, he knew the ending from the beginning. Um, so I, the first time I met him, uh, you know, he sort of, he sort of told me the ending, uh, accidentally, uh, oh. which was, you know, well, yeah, we met at San Diego comic-con in 2008 and, uh, there's a lot of drinking that happens at San Diego comic-con. So he, uh, he was a little, uh, inebriated at the time. Uh, so he ended up, uh, you know, dropping a few, uh, things that he probably should not have told me. Uh, but yeah, he knew the beginning from the end and are the ending from the beginning. And he actually, um, has kind of set up milestones, um, and, you know, says, you know, here's what happens in issue five. Here's what happens in issue 15. Here's what happens in issue 30 and then, you know, 50 and so on. So there are milestones that we work towards. And, uh, but for the most part, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of issue to issue feeling things out and, and, you know, it, it's, it's a, de it's a delicate balance between, um, you know, overstructuring because you don't want to overstructure so much that you just cripple yourself and it's boring. Uh, but you also want to, you know, not understructure so much the where you, you're literally making it up as you go. Um, so there's like this weird balance, but, uh, as, as of now, the last script I got, uh, is for issue 55, which is what I'm, I'm working on now. I'm penciling it this week. Uh, and then from there, 
uh, we take a skip month and then we jump right into uh, a one shot with uh, with Pollo, which is uh, probably our, more, our most popular character. And then we're going to take a, another month or two and then we're going to come back with all five of the last issues. So we should be finishing. We should be finishing around Novemberish. Wow. So, uh, yeah. well, I mean, that, that's that's. I, I can't, you know, to me, it's just bizarre. You're going to have, you already know there's an ending, you know, and, and you're mm-hmm. work, working that. That's just, that's a trip. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. To me, that's, that's, just, that's wild. Um, oh, yeah. I know there's been talk in the past uh, of Chu being made in a live action film, and mm-hmm. that obviously has not happened yet, but I also have heard rumors of the animated uh, situation of something being done you know, cartoon or animation wise, do, mm-hmm. do you think that's going to happen, especially with the conclusion of the, the comic book? Uh, will it be easier for that to happen? Yeah. I mean, we, it's been a long road. I mean, we, we optioned shoe for the first time back in 2010, uh, where Showtime optioned it and they had it for about, they had it for about three years and we got numerous scripts from numerous writers and uh, some of them were good. Some not so much. And uh, eventually it reverted back to us. So we have the rights now. Um, so, yeah, the live action thing fell through. Uh, the good news is that the door is not closed. And with Hollywood, you never really know what's going to happen. Um, I mean, you know, for example, I mean, you look at a comic like Preacher, you know, Preacher concluded over 10 years ago, I think. Um, mm. And they're only they're only now making it into a live action TV show. Interesting. Um, yeah. You know, so, so no one knows what's going to happen with that. But um, on the animation front, I mean, yeah, we are developing it as a uh, an animated feature. Uh, we've already done, I mean, all the major characters have been recorded. Um, so the main character, Tony Chu, uh, is actually Steven Yun, who's uh, Glenn from The Walking Dead. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, he's already done his all his recording. Uh, and he actually, he actually really, really wants to do a live action. He wants to be Tony Chu if we should do a live action. Um, like every, yeah. So every so often he'll call like our agent and, you know, say, Hey, you know, what's up with the live action thing? Has it, you know, where, where is it, has it happened yet? Is it going to happen? And so far nothing. Uh, but again, you know, it, it's nice to know that, you know, we have a high quality actor, uh, who, you know, is a fan of the book and is willing to like, you know, to be our guy, you know, if and when this happens. Wow. Um, but we, but yeah, we also have, uh, Felicia Day uh, is Amelia Mintz, who's uh, kind of the love interest. Um, so she's also she's also a big fan of the book. Um, and we also have David Tennant, David Tennant from Doctor Who. He's he's um, Mason Savoy, who's sort of kind of sort of the villain of the book. Um, so yeah, he's already done all his recording. Um, so yeah, other than that, there's some other like big names we're we're kind of we're kind of trying to get, and we're we're looking at some animation studios to to, to do it. Um, wow. but yeah, I mean, again, no one knows how long this is going to take. Um, Hollywood's really, really, I mean, unpredictable. Right. Um, but I mean, the good news is, uh, because we are about to finish, um, uh, it, it's, will we, I think it'll be better. I think we'll be better off when we're able to, to focus fully on, uh, a live action or a, uh, an animated feature. Like it's, it's really, really hard to focus on those things while you're also juggling the comic. Um, so it'll be really nice to have the comic finished so we can actually focus on those things. Um, cool. So, so yeah, we'll see. Now, moving over back to something you mentioned, I got to ask this is you, you talked about how Lehman uh, wasn't really thrilled with you at first, you know, the art wise for, for Chu, 
until he went to like your website and saw samples. Do you think you know that is the key now uh, more than ever for younger artists, uh, the, those that want to get exposure, is maybe not necessarily that portfolio going traditional, you know, to person to person, or you know, they they need to have that cyber exposure, that cyber gallery in some way, whether it's mm. Facebook or the website, or does that still that in person thing? Uh, carry more weight or is there is there more exposure chance with that uh, cyber wise i know some people want to protect their copy you know they don't want anybody stealing their ideas and stuff but um, mm-hmm. is there more of a chance with a with a web-based or or cyber-based uh material getting discovery yeah i mean you definitely need i mean these days i mean having a uh some level of a web presence is, is definitely important i mean we i mean i don't I don't know how different my, my career would be completely different if I didn't have, I mean, even back in the day, having just MySpace. Um, I mean, way before social media, when, when social media was only just starting up, I mean, um, a game changer for me was just having, um, I mean, just having like a little pro I had, I, the, the way I would do things is I would go to a, about like half a dozen different message boards every, every week before I was, uh, before I kind of broke into comics and I would just bring and post on a weekly basis, all the stuff I was working on. And then I met, I mean, I, I've met so many people, um, you know, publishers, artists, uh, you know, other, other creators, uh, just doing that, uh, that it just, it built a network in and of itself. And then on top of that, like, you know, MySpace, you never know what's going to happen with social media. I mean, with, with MySpace, you know, I was, you know, this is 2007-ish. Um, you know, I was just using it as a place to basically put my artwork because uh, I didn't have an official website. Mm. So I would just put it all there and everything. And I would get randomly hit up by people. I mean, you never know who's looking. Um, so, I mean, I, I remember getting, when I was just starting out, getting emails from like Carl Jones, who does, um, he's one of the creators of, of the Boondocks um, uh, cartoon. Um, wow. He also does like Black Dynamite, all that kind of stuff. And but the big thing was I ended up, I ended up because of my MySpace profile getting a random email from C.B. Sabolsky, who's the the talent scout of Marvel Comics. Um, I didn't even know who he was. He wow. just happened to be on MySpace on someone's profile. He saw you know my profile picture on someone else's page, thought it looked cool, ended up going to it, ended up surfing through my entire gallery, and then ended up you know becoming a major contact of mine. Wow. Um, and he and he was actually instrumental in in a lot of my career just because of you know finding me on MySpace. So yeah, it's it's highly highly necessary these days to have that kind of stuff. Wow. So yeah, I, you know, I, I I meet those that are trying, you know, and they're like, well, I, I don't want to publish anything because you know somebody will steal it. And I'm like, I don't know, you know, I think in today's age, you, you got to have that there because you never know, and you're proving that right there, and you never know who might uh, see it and open a door for you. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, the scary thing nowadays is that, you know, and we see it all the time is, um, you know, the, the, t- the temptation, like you have to know how to how to conduct yourself uh, on social media. So like, it, it is very important to have a web presence, but it's equally as important to, to not say stupid things <laughs> and, uh, right. you know, not make yourself uh, unhirable because people are looking at all of those things, yes. uh, you know, online that that stuff matters. I'm going to ask you one question before I let you go. Well, actually two. The one is about cover art. I mean, is it is it a pain from an artist aspect? I mean, I know the, at least the way I was always taught as a kid, you know, I was the aspiring artist myself and it, it didn't happen, is, you know, cover artist. You want to be the cover artist in comic books. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it a pain to get to that level because you got 
you know, you're restricted a, a lot because it, this is a character that's been, you know, a, a thousand years old, if you will. And, um, you know, you, you have to keep a certain standard. You, is, is it hard to be yourself is my, my point. And, and, and you got people dogging you like the editors and, you know, other, maybe even pencilers that may have created the thing. I mean, is it, is it tougher in, in ways to be that uh, cover artist? It depends on the situation. I mean, I've had, you know, I've done work for Marvel where, you know, I was expecting it to be difficult. I was expecting, you know, doing the Thor stuff. I expected, uh, I expected Marvel to really be a pain and to really micromanage everything I was doing. And that was the opposite of the truth. They were actually, actually the Marvel stuff I've done has been some of the easiest stuff I've done um, because they, because the editors I was, I was working with were actually, they understood my work. They know what I do. So when they came to me, they expected me to do what I do and they weren't, they weren't hiring me to try to, to be another artist. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so that, that was easy. But at the same time, I've had other gigs where, you know, I've taken, I've worked on really popular characters and, you know, the editorial or the licensors, the licensors are really the pain. Um, the licensors are the guys, you know, like, let's say, you know, a Nickelodeon or something, okay. um, you know, who own, who own the property and own the characters. And you're basically just working for, uh, you're working for like, you know, a, you're working for a comic book company who's also working with the licensor and the licensor also is, is, so you have the two different, uh, mm. sets of eyes on the same work. Uh, and then oftentimes they don't see the same thing. So like I've had times where, you know, the publisher loves what I'm doing, but the licensor, because the licensor doesn't understand art and also doesn't understand comics, hates what I'm doing. Oh, wow. Um, so that's a pain. Um, so it, it, it goes both ways. It just kind of really depends on, you know, the people you're working with and, you know, their expectations for it. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, I, I was wondering about that. And because uh, uh, I know that's what a lot of, you know, artists, that's what they're gunning for, you know, is, is to be that cover world. And I was like, man, I don't know if that that's necessarily a dream gig. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can be. I mean, it depends. I mean, it really I mean, I've, I've taken more. I never considered myself uh, a guy who would who would become a cover artist. I just thought, you know, I, my strength is doing the interior work. But, you know, the more I started doing it, you know, I started getting offers from all over the place and just, you know, for a little cover gig here or there. And then I started just kind of being a cover artist. Wow. Um, so you, you, you can never tell. But it's pretty rare when a, a person will just kind of break in just being a cover artist. Usually, like, usually it's an artist that kind of breaks in doing interior work that shows some strength um, doing covers. And eventually they just kind of break off and only do covers then. Like J. Scott Campbell kind of does that nowadays. Wow. Yeah, you know, and you know what? This is a good thing is I'm going to encourage people to look for your covers. You know, head to the uh, local comic book shop, look for the covers, and head to a convention you're going to be at in Central Florida. See how we tie things in here with the Riley and Kimmy show? I mean, uh, yeah, good job. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, You know, (laughs) because you in 2016 will be appearing in Florida. You're going to be at Conjure Comic Con, which is happening March 5th through 6th, and you will be special guest. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. I'm looking forward to it. And I have a feeling you're going to sign some of those covers I was kind of urging people to find at their local comic book shop, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll be bringing a bunch of uh, original art and comics, and yeah, I'll be there all weekend. That That's going to be cool. And, I, you know, 
you and I've never met in the real world. We've just done the, the, the phone thing, the cyber thing here, but I just picking up on, I have a feeling that you're probably one of the nicest people to meet at a convention. You're very approachable because not to bash anybody in the creative world of comic books, but some people are quite shy and, you know, um, uh, and I have some of those quite shy ones are very good friends of mine. They're like, Oh, I don't like talking. <laughs> yeah. 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 Those, the shy is putting it nicely. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, they want to hide under the table. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But you're definitely not that. And so I'm looking forward to meeting you in the real world at Conjure, and that's uh, March 5th through 6th. We have the website, ConjureFlorida.com, right on our website and social media stuff at RileyandKimmy.com. And I will link to your page because I know you have a ton of stuff available, also a, a web store uh, for a product uh, for purchase. Yep, yep. I uh, appreciate it, man. Well, I'm going to let you get back to that uh, drawing board. Or Wait a minute. Or do you use digital uh, sketching? Are you, which way are you doing? Are you doing traditional? Are you doing the, uh, the old uh, you know, 11 by 17 paper? Or are you uh, using it on uh, a tablet or something? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally traditional. I mean, the only thing I use uh, computers for are for, uh, for scanning and for coloring the pages. But everything, penciling and inking, even... You know, some measure of coloring and painting. I do all that stuff by hand. Whoa. Are you telling me that you're an inker with brush? You using brush? I use brush, but a lot of pen too. Whoa. Okay, man. Yeah. Mr. Old School here. Okay. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have a lot of respect for those old guys that did it. So I kind of I kind of feel like I'm keeping up the tradition, you know. All right, Rob. Well, I'm gonna let you get back to the drawing board and let you get back to creating. And thank cool, you. Appreciate it, man. Well, thank you for being part of the Riley and Kimmy show, and we hope to talk to you in the near future. Cool. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, big thank you going out to Rob Gilry for being on the Riley and Kimmy show. Oh, thank you. I look forward to seeing Rob at Conjure Comic Con happening March 5th through the 6th, 2016. And we have more information about Conjure Comic Con right on our website, which is RileyandKimmy.com. This episode's been brought to you by Orlando Toy and Comic Con which is happening at the end of January, January 31st in Orlando, Florida. That's January 31st, 2016. Yes, we're flipping the calendar over. Happy New Year, by the way, once again. And Kimmy has just a quick rundown of what's happening at the Orlando Toy and Comic-Con. Yes, Tony S. Daniel, John Lehman, Billy Tushy, and Darwin Cook That's at right. the new location. At the Holiday Inn on South Kirkman, right across from Universal Studios. More information about the big event happening on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Big thank you going out to Mike, the promoter of the Orlando Toy and Comic-Con, for inviting the Riley and Kimmy show. We look forward to seeing you out there. Please stop by our table and become part of an episode. We will be, uh, we'll be recording throughout the day and adding a brand new element to the show, a uh, lot more videos. So be sure to check us out. And hey, you don't have to look pretty because I am there and I'm the person who is, what, the worst cosplayer on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be cosplaying just as me, so I'll prove that point. Yes. And so more information available right on our website, which is RileyandKimmy.com. It's all over. Get back to your homes. Go to sleep. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.